Mr. Jesus, that is our prayer today, that you would come into our hearts and shine out of our hearts, God, that people would see us and instead see you, God. So we just ask that you fill us now with your presence, that you prepare our hearts through the word you have for us this morning. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us this morning. Can we just give a huge uh, round of applause just to thank our worship team, our singers and band as well. Just really, yeah, I really value you guys and appreciate the time that you put into it to make this happen for us each week. And it's great to be here this morning, church. It's great to be here sharing with you today. I want to start with a little story, and this story took place um, just over like Christmas and New Year, the start of this year. And I've got permission from this family to, uh, to share this story. And this family is a family in our church, and I house sat for them over that time period because they went away. And the reason I house sat for them is because they had a beautiful little puppy who was a blue healer named Abby, and she was just amazing, crazy energy, but amazing. And uh, I was given the responsibility of caring for Abby for those two weeks that I was there. And um, I'll tell you what, I used to want a puppy like really bad, but like when you realize the responsibility attached with something like that, it's like it becomes a little bit less uh, attractive. Um, but I ended up yeah, feeding Abby twice a day, taking her for walks, looking after her, and it was so much fun, so much fun. But that was like my focus. I was like, first, like number one priority, keep Abby alive. Number two priority, like don't let the house burn down. And then there's kind of a few more priorities after that, but that was, those are kind of the big ones. Um, and I, I did pretty well, right? We got through the time and, and Abby stayed alive and is still alive to this day, which is amazing. Um, but... This is a big but. We got to the end of that time I was staying there, and it was the second last day that I was there. And um, I was walking out the door because I was going to do some stuff for work. And as I walk out the door, I look just to the left, and I see something, and my heart drops. Because what I see is what used to be a plant that was alive and was now dead. (laughs) And it was not like it was hiding or anything. It was right next to the front door. And for whatever reason, I'd been so focused on making sure that Abby was okay, that I did not look after the plant as well. And the plant ended up dying, and I was a bit sorry about that, but it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I did my best. But it reminds me of this question, and it, like, it relates to following Jesus, because I think we, we talk about, at times, keeping God first. I think God deserves that right to be first in our lives if He is God. But this question comes to mind, and it's, how can we keep God first when there are so many things pulling for our attention? Right? Sometimes there are things we don't even realize. Right? I didn't even realize I had to look after that plant because I wasn't paying attention to it. I had my priority and that's what it was, but it meant other parts of my, of my time there weren't as successful as they might have been. But this is a question that I want to invite us to, to reflect on and lean into today as we look at this topic of keeping God first. Right? Last week, Mike shared on the topic of putting God first. This week, we're looking at keeping God first. Right? It's all well and good to say God is our number one priority, but how do we keep that the case throughout our lives? Right? There are so many different distractions and things that are, that are fighting against that in the world that we live in. So what does that look like to keep him first? So I'm going to pray and we're going to open up the Bible and have a look at what it says. All right, so let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that we can come here, read your word together. Father, I just ask that you'd rid me of myself now, that you would speak through me and give every single one of us a receptive heart to what it is that you want to say to us today. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a verse in Genesis chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, um, Genesis, will be, you'll, it'll be in there. It's the first book of the Bible, okay? Pretty simple to find. So if you open up a Bible, first one there. Um, but Genesis is, yeah, the first book of the Old Testament of the Bible. And we're going to go to chapter 2. And here we see one of the very first commands that God gives to humanity. Right? He's created a beautiful garden for them to exist in. And he's created animals. And, and he's placed human beings in this garden. And one of the first things he says 
is this. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And the reason I'm sharing this is because we've mentioned this word stewardship a bit, right? And we've got those booklets that say stewardship on them. And it's a word that gets thrown around a lot in church circles. But it's not just a Christian word, right? It's not just an idea that's come about so that churches can get your money or something like that. Um, But this idea of having responsibility is something that God has given to humanity since they were created, right? And that's what stewardship is all about. It is, what are we going to do with everything that God has given us? And so right here in this verse, what you see is that God made the garden. God made this beautiful place for humanity to exist in, but then he created humans and put them in there and said, hey, this is my gift to you. Now steward, steward it well. They were created to tend and to watch over it. So this isn't a new idea that we're talking about today. When we're talking about stewardship, we're stepping into something that has been a part of God's story with humanity since they were created. And that's what I want us to catch as we jump into this. Now, I'm going to share a special story uh, this morning that uh, I figure, like, who's the best person to talk to about this? And it's probably Jesus, right? Jesus is the one you go to when you want to get a really clear idea about what it means to keep God first. And I'm going to tell a story that Jesus told today, but I need four helpers, okay? So I might get one from each section. I'd prefer kids because they're heaps of fun. Yeah, uh, I'll get Rocco. Do you want to come up? No, that was your dad that put your hand up. Jazzy, do you want to come up? Yeah. Who else? I need one from this group. Yeah. Is that? Oh, yes. Awesome. Yeah, come up. Who from here? Who from here? I need one. Come on. Kobe, your first hand up. Amazing. Jesse, can you come up as well? All right, so I've got my four helpers. Am I supposed to have a mic, Murray? Is that all right? Murray, can I have a mic? Thanks, mate. He's just so engrossed in the sermon. He's like, just both. Yeah, two. Thanks, mate. All right. Pretty sure they're on. Okay. Now, Alyssa, can you be my master? Is that all right? Can you be the master? All right. And you three are going to be my servants. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Yeah, Jesse, big, strong, able-bodied servant doing all the heavy lifting for us. Amazing. So I'm going to tell a story. And this is from the Bible. And in this story, um, it's going to be on the, on the screen behind me. But I'm going to say some things. I need you guys to repeat what your characters say. Okay? So you're going to be servant number one, servant number two, and servant number three. Sound good? Okay. Makes sense? Awesome. Getting heaps out of here. That's great. I'll give Jasper this one. Let's look at this story. Could we just go to the next slide, please? All right. So again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, I'm going to change it and say a master, right? Because Alyssa is our master. Can you give us a wave, Alyssa? This is our master. Everyone say hello to the master. Hello to the master. Alyssa is the master, and she's going away for a long trip. So what she did is she called together her servants, and she said, hey, servants, come here. Hey, servants, come here. And all the servants went over to her. Anyways, she called them together and entrusted her money while she was gone. This is your money, master, so I'll bring your money over. Pretty amazing money. Look at all this gold. You're so rich, master. That's amazing. So entrusted them with this money while she was gone. And she gave five bags of silver to the first servant. So can you give five coins to our first servant there? Don't look too eager, Jasper, mate. (laughs) There we go. Five coins. And she gave two coins to the next servant. And then to the third servant, gave one coin. And interestingly, divided it in proportion to their abilities. So, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) Jesse. After that, the master left. The master left. So just come over this side, Alyssa, if you want. 
going on a long trip. And we might space out the three servants a bit, so Jasper, you can stand on that side. Jesse over here. Yeah, and Kobe, go in the middle there, mate. Beautiful. So, while the master was away, this is what happened. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money. Can you invest the money for me? Show me what investing looks like. And he did such a good job that he got five more coins. Yay. Well done. <laughs> and then the servant with two bags of silver also went to work. So can you go to work for me, Kobe? All right, he's working, he's working, he's walking. What other work do you do? Building. Maybe you became a professional drummer and you were drumming for your work. Yeah, there it is, there it is. And because of that, and two more coins, well done. Now the third servant, well... Let's see what the third servant did. The servant who received one coin dug a hole in the ground. And they kept digging, and they kept digging, and they kept digging, and eventually the ground broke, but the stage isn't going to break, and hid the master's money in the ground. And then after a long time, the master came back. So come back, master, stand in the middle of the stage here. And as the master came back and returned from their trip, called all the servants together. So... Our third servant grabbed the coin out of the ground and brought it over. Our other servants bring their coins over. Amazing. And they come to the master. I might get you to stand over here, Alyssa, if that's all right. Alyssa, come here. Yep. And the master said to the servants, what have you done with the money? And the first servant comes and with their microphone up to their mouth said to the, to the master, not to me, I'm, I'm just the narrator, so you come over here. There we go. And said to the master, Master! Master! You gave me five coins. Huh? You, you gave me five coins. You gave me fine, glorious gold coins. And I have earned five more. And I have earned another five gold wow. coins. Amazing. The master was full of praise, saying, Well done! Well done. My good and faithful servant. My good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. You have been faithful handling this small amount. So I will give you many more responsibilities. So I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate together. And then they celebrated. What a celebration. <laughs> and then the first servant gave their microphone to the second servant. And the second servant came. The second servant who had been given two bags of silver. And said, Master. Master. You gave me two bags of silver to invest. You gave me two... Coins. Just say coins. Two coins for... And what have you done with the two coins? And two more. I earned two more. Amazing. Well done. And so the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate together. And they celebrated. Woohoo! And then the second servant gave their microphone to the first servant. And here came the first servant. And the slide isn't there. But the third servant, what they said is they said, Master, I knew you were a harsh master. Master, I knew you were harsh. A harsh master. So I hid the coin so that I wouldn't lose it. So I hid the coin so I wouldn't lose it. And the master said, what? What? If you knew I was a harsh master... Say that. If you knew I was a harsh master... Why didn't you invest the money? 
Why didn't you invest the money? Then I could have got some interest. Then I could have got some interest. And they took the coin off the third servant and gave it to the first servant. All right, and that is the end of the story. So thank you so much for your help, guys. What I'm going to get you to do, you can take these, but I want you to keep one for yourself and I want you to give the rest away, okay? So you can either do that now or you can do that at the end of church. Thanks so much. Just give me a huge clap. Thanks, guys. All right, so that was kind of a bit of a drawn-out way of explaining the story. But um, that is the story that Jesus told while he was on earth. And, and he talks about um, what we do with what God gives us. And that's the illustration that he uses. That's the illustration that he uses. He uses a story about a master who gave, gave wealth to his servants to, to look after, to care for, and to invest. And as I, as I go through this story, there are some really key ideas that I see that I think, if we can get them in our heads and, and start living them out in our lives, they're going to have a big impact on how we think about this idea of stewardship. And the first one of those key ideas is this. It is that, firstly, there is a master, that the master is God, and God is the owner. God is the owner of all things. Right? So just like in this story, where there was a master who owned all this wealth and gave it away, God is a master who owns everything. And if you decide to be a follower of Jesus, if you decide to follow him, that is part of what comes with that package. When you see the world through that lens, you realize that God is a creator and a provider of everything that we have. So God is a master and the true owner of all things. Secondly, it is that God has given to every one of us. All right? Now, that might be in the sense of material wealth. It might be in the sense of, of a skill set or an education. It might be in terms of a spiritual gift. Right? But God has given to every single one of us. That's the second thing. The third thing I sense in this story is that what you do with that gift matters to God. What you do with that gift matters to God. And thirdly, the true or proper response, it's not there, but the, the, the proper response to that is that we would use, grow, and invest what God has given us. Okay? Can you repeat those after me? So use, grow, and invest. And invest, right? So what that looks like in practice, if you have been given something from God, whether it's a blessing financially, whether it's a great job, whether it's a family, whether it's just a lot of free time in this season that you're in, whether it's a skill set or a passion, if you've been given something, what God desires of us is that we would use it, right? That we wouldn't sit on it or hide it like that third servant did, but that we would use it. The second thing is that we would grow it. We would grow it. So like, that's like, how am I improving? How am I getting better at this thing? Right? Maybe you have a, a, a gift for, for music or for art or, or something in, in that space. To be faithful, to be a good steward of that, means that you grow it. That you, maybe you get some training to be better at it. That maybe you, you use it and, and you do it with other people and you encourage each other and build each other up. And the third one is that you invest it. So financially, obviously, that makes sense to invest, but, but maybe it's, it's, it is a skill. Maybe it's a, a passion or something like that. To invest that might look like to pass it on to someone else. Because when you share a skill, you don't lose that skill, right? Someone else gains it. And I've, I've been able to experience that in my own life. When I was about 10 years old, a man named Sergio uh, at my church, he gave me free guitar lessons. And that was what started me out in playing guitar. And eventually he said you're ready to play in church, and so I got to play in church, and then over time, that skill grew and grew, and I was able to then go and teach other people. Now, Sergio didn't lose the skill by teaching me, 
right? In fact, when you teach someone, it, actually, it makes you better. When you teach something, it makes you better at it because you have to understand it more clearly. But then the question comes, well, if, if this is what we're asked to do, why isn't it like the, the default? Why isn't that the natural thing that we do? Why isn't that our natural response to all the things that God has given us? And it's probably important to note at this stage, like, this is only ever made possible by the grace of God, right? Like, this, is, this, is, this isn't stuff that we can do by ourselves. This isn't, this isn't something that, that we get by our own strength. This is only made possible by the grace of God. He has given us certain gifts for doing things well. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans. But what stands in the way of that, right? What stands in the way? What's stopping us from making this a reality in our lives? And the first thing I think for a lot of people that stands in the way of us being faithful to God is busyness. Busyness, right? So one of the first things people say when you ask how they're going, it's good, and then it's busy, right? We wear busyness like a badge of honor a lot of the time. But I wonder, how often do you see Jesus being busy while he's on earth? If you've read, time, read the Bible at all, do you ever see Jesus running anywhere? Do you ever see Jesus in a rush? Most of his most incredible teachings happen because of interruptions, right? How often do we say, sorry, I'm too busy for that interruption right now? Busyness can be something that stands in the way of us being faithful to God. Secondly, the hustle or consumer culture that we live in, right? The world we live in says the most important thing is to work hard, get a good job, do well for yourself, right? And it feeds into that idea of busyness as well, but it can be something that, again, undermines our, our ability to be faithful to God. If we're so committed to working hard and, and doing all this stuff and accumulating, it can undermine what God wants to do in us. Because it says the more you get, that's what matters. But in God's economy, the more you give is what matters. And it's the, heart, the, the mindset and the heart that you give from. Another thing I think that contributes to this and what stands in the way is comparison. Right? This is a big one, saying I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes to get up there and do that. You know, I'm not a great singer. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a great speaker. I don't know enough about this topic to share it. Right? We, we can compare ourselves and get caught out in that trap. And it can hold us back from using what God has blessed us with to bless others. Another one that comes to mind is distraction. Right? Anyone got one of these? Pretty big distraction at times, right? I know when I was preparing this message, there were a few times when I got a text or something and I went to my phone and then, you know, an hour later, I went to go back to my message and realized an hour had passed, right? Because it's so easy to get distracted. Another one is, is confusion, right? Confusion about what can I do? What can I give? What, what is it that God has given me? What is it that God has given me? If you're asking yourself that question, we have an amazing program called The Growth Track, which you can go through and you can learn about the things that God has given you, the way he's wired you. And it can be a great way to learn how you can make a difference in his kingdom. And so I want you to reflect on, on your own life and think, well, what stands in the way for me? Because what, what's so interesting to me about that parable that we walked through before is that the response Jesus gave to the servant who had five and had two was exactly the same. Did you notice that? That it wasn't the fact that one made more or one made less. It was the fact that they, they were both faithful. Yeah? God is the giver of these good things, these good things in our lives, these things that we can, can use to make a difference in this world. And the goal is not to do the most amazing things. It's not to be the most successful. The goal is to be faithful. And so no matter where you find yourself, I want to invite you to consider what does it look like for me to be faithful to God? 
keeping in mind this is always a response, right? It's always a response. There's this beautiful thing that, that, that I was taught when I was at college, and it's this idea of provenient grace, right? A grace that goes before is what that means. And it's the grace that makes it possible for you and I to, to believe in God. An example of where you see that is in, in the book of Romans, where Paul writes that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? While we were still sinners. It wasn't the perfect or the best version of you that Jesus died for. It was actually the worst version of you, the most messed up version of you. And that's the version he died for. Right? He died for us at our worst so that he could lead us to who he created us to be at our best. That is grace right there. And it's because of that grace that we are able to respond by being faithful to God. So maybe there's something that stands in the way for you today. And no matter where you find yourself, we have an opportunity right here, right now to make a decision to be faithful to Jesus, to keep him first in our lives. And what we're going to do to practice that is uh, it's a tradition called communion, right? And this tradition is a beautiful tradition which reminds us about what is number one in our life. And if you've never participated in it before, what it is is, is you'll see in the seats in front of you, there's a little a little cup with a piece of wafer on top of it. And, and that, that wafer there represents the body of Christ. And the cup represents his blood. And it's, a, it's something that God's people were invited to participate in and to do in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. See, on the cross, Jesus took upon himself the sins of all humanity for all time. And when he died, he paid the price that you and I deserve to pay, which is death. But he didn't stay dead because the power of love is greater than any power of evil or darkness in this world. And Jesus rose from the dead. And he says, in remembrance of me, practice this because it's going to remind you of what is most important. It's going to remind you of who I am and what I did for you. And that's what keeping God first is all about. It's about a daily decision to surrender to him, to be faithful to him. And so this really is a simple message. If you want to keep God first in your life, what it means is deciding to put God first every day. If you want to keep God first, what it means is deciding to put God first every day. It's simple. When you put God first every day, you're already keeping him first in your life. So I'm going to read a passage now, and this is what Jesus says about communion. And these are his words from the book of Matthew, chapter 26. As they were eating, Jesus and his disciples, they were having a meal together. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it and broke it and, and gave it to the disciples and said, take it, eat, this is my body. He invited his followers to do that. So what I want to invite you to do now is I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to just pull the first layer off the top of this and I just want to invite you to make a commitment to Jesus in your heart today. Maybe it's the first time, maybe you've done it heaps of times before. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. This is an opportunity today to make a recommitment to Jesus and say, yes, I want you to be my God and I want to be faithful to you. So I'm going to pray and then we'll participate in this together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life for me, for us. God, as we take this communion now, may we remember the significance of what you did on that cross. It means we no longer have to 
have to work to, to earn favor. We no longer have to strive for our own salvation. We, we, we don't have to do any of that, God. We can rest in your presence and remember what you have done for us. So God, as we take this bread now, may we remember your body that was broken for us and the sacrifice you made. Amen. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the many, for the remission of sins. So in your own time now, you can take off that second one. And I invite you to drink and remember the sacrifice Jesus made with his own blood. So as we close up today, I want to invite you to make a commitment each day to give your heart to Jesus, to keep him first in your life. It's a decision that only you can make, that only you can do. And as we remain faithful to Jesus, may he continue to use you to bless other people. May you continue to feel peace. May you continue to feel joy. May you feel loved and know just how, how deep and how wide his grace is. No matter where you find yourself, his grace is sufficient for you. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for the sacrifice you gave for us. It's satisfied once for all time. The consequences that the wrong things we've done deserve. God, we deserve to die for our sins. And Lord, we still live in a broken world, but Jesus, you've defeated it. You've defeated it, and we want to give you the praise for that. And Lord, today we've participated in communion to remember that. But I pray this wouldn't be a once-off thing for us, God, but that every single day when we wake up and when we lie down, that we would give our lives and our hearts to you, that we would keep you first. Because when you are at the helm of our lives, when you are leading the way, when you're in control, that's where we need to be. That is where we find true meaning. That is where we find true belonging. That is where we find true purpose. That is where we find true love, true grace. And God, for anyone searching for that today, I pray that they might not look any further, but may find what they are searching for in you, Jesus. That you might satisfy the desires of their heart when they place their faith, when they place their trust in you. Lord, this is my prayer today in the mighty name of Jesus who died for our sins and who rose again and who is coming soon. Amen.